Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hope you had a nice weekend. We have lots of chat over the next couple of hours on the show. Uh, we're going to be looking back on Mead Lady's incredible win in yesterday's All-Ireland Senior Football Semi-Final over Cork. It was simply remarkable. Another remarkable win as well at the weekend for Can Mayo. Can you hear me okay? Yes, for Perfect. Mayo. That's- for Mayo in the uh, in the championship as well, the senior championship. So that was uh, two big wins in sport this weekend. And of course, today on the show, well, we're going to be talking a lot about Slane at 40. Yes, Slane concerts, 40 years old this very day. Today is the 40th anniversary. And I can tell you that I was at that very first Slane show, Thin Lizzy headlining, and I remember it well. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous day. And it was the start of something very special. We're going to be talking about it on the show this afternoon. Uh, Henry Mount Charles, Lord Henry, is joining us as well after two o'clock to reflect on the show. Have you memories of Slane yourself? Do you remember being there at any of the concerts over the 40 years? There was 25 of them in total. Uh, have you any stories from it? Anything at all to do with Slane that sticks in your mind on this auspicious 40th anniversary of the concerts at the castle? Let us know. 86 1800 658. That's our WhatsApp or text number 1850 715 958 if you'd like to call into the show. Now, let me say this to you at the start today. You just got to get the Mead Chronicle this week. You got to get it every week, but you got to get it this week in particular because I am holding the most wonderful publication. It's called Slain at 40. It's 55 pages and it really is a trip down memory lane and right up to the uh, last Slain concert. And I'm delighted to be joined on Late Lunch to open the show today by John Donoghue from the Mead Chronicle. Hello, John. How are you, Jerry? I'm really good. Thanks for taking our call. Well, John, may I say first off, congratulations. Some work has gone into this. Thank you, uh, Jerry. Yes, it was um, it, it was a, a collection, I suppose, of f- forty years uh, looking back and stuff. Um, the genesis, as I say in the introduction to it, is um, a lady 
by the name of Anne Callan from Loud Village, who herself was at almost all of the concerts. She missed a few in, in the middle when she was in um, living in London. And she came to us with a lovely um, selection of memories written around the same time that Henry and Alex and, and Slane Castle were looking at what they were going to be doing to mark the 40th. So we teamed up with them and uh, worked together with Slane to produce this um, supplement, which is going out in uh, tomorrow evening's paper, um, free with the paper. It's It features photographs going back to the, that Lizzie concert that you were at. I don't know if you're in any of the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but the early ones by Andy Spearman, Carol Lee and people like that, and then right up through some of Seamus Farley's, the great photographs of the Bowie concert that Seamus Farley got, and um, right up to the modern day ones, Andy Casey, who's our current slain concert photographer, has some, there's some brilliant um, pieces of his. And and End also was at, End was at, as a, as a punter, was at, the concerts that and Callan wasn't at. So he was able to fill in the gaps mm. for us um, with his memories of those concerts. And um, we had some of our own um, reporters like Fergal Lynch would have covered a lot of them as well. Yes. Yes. Oh, look at the photographs are amazing. Anne's memories, everyone else you mentioned there as well. It really does come together brilliantly. And this is a souvenir to have and treasure and mind and pass on as well to future generations uh, on this 40th anniversary of Slain. You have a wonderful interview, I have to say, with uh, Lord Henry. I'm speaking to him a little later myself in the show to Alex's son, his memories of when he was a child there. What about you, John? Have you been at uh, some of the Slain concerts? The first same concert I was at was the, I, I was going to call it the Robbie Williams concert. It was actually the Verve. It was the 98 one that uh, Robbie Williams kind of stole the show at. Yes. And um, he, he was such a an act at it that, um, and Henry says in the interview that he did with us that um, he, he turned around to Dennis Desmond after Robbie's act performance in Slane in '98, and says we're going to get have to get him back as as a headliner, um, he it was a brilliant show that year. Um, the Verve were the headliner act, mm. but as far as I recall, a lot of people were starting to to leave uh, when, yes. when the Verve were playing. Mm, <laughs> and he he came back the next year. He was the headline act in was, 1999, yeah. and I actually remember watching that one, John. I was on babysitting duties at the time, watching it was on Sky or whatever, and I'll never forget as the light faded in uh, 99 and Robbie Williams took the stage. It was one of uh, those memorable, memorable Slane occasions, and it was rocking. Yeah, yeah. And, and Slane, Slane offers that type of venue. It's, it's not your sta- typical stadium venue. It, it's this amphitheatre where, you know, the crowd are up on the hill around you. And, and the wire certainly in the early years might be for health and safety, mightn't be as much these days, but there's a certain part of the hill you can still go up and, and look down on stage. And um, it, it just for performers even, it, it's a different setting for them. Mm. It is. It's a real amphitheatre. There's no doubt about that. I know in the uh, 81 concert, it, it wasn't packed by any means. There were thousands there, of course, but it was more laid back, John. You know what I mean? And you're talking about the hill. You could be anywhere. It was a lovely day and it was a memorable day, of course. But by God, when the numbers ramped up, you know, to capacity audiences, it was a different kettle of fish. 
Well, I suppose the first one was a, a, a Pathfinder, as yeah. Henry Man Charles calls it. And it was it was something that hadn't been done before in Ireland. And it was a very brave move for him at the time because the Ireland of 40 years ago in 1981 um, was a very different Ireland. The Northern mm-hmm. Ireland issue was very much to the fore. The hunger strikes were the main situation at the time. Um, and, and that... It certainly wasn't the type of environment for a an Anglo-Irish uh, sounding lord to be trying to um, make a go of, of a, a concert at a castle. But it, it, he did uh, against the odds, I suppose, at the time. And it was very much, I mean, those two acts, Tin Lizzie and you two, um, and Anne Callan refers in her piece to the fact that we took Tin Lizzy for granted at the time, mm. but they were such an act and the, the fill in it was a huge loss. And she also remembers um, the U2, the early U2, she was living in Dublin at the time and she remembers seeing them at the Dandelion Market and the, the stars that they were to become eventually and to return to Slay and then eventually. Oh, um, yes. For, for for to reopen it after the fire, yeah, um, was something else. Yeah, two thousand and one. Those two concerts in August and September, indeed. And of course, you two, uh, you know, memorable those gigs in the Dandelion Market were legendary at this stage. And of course, they were performing around the country. But before they, they made the big big breakthrough, John as a newspaper man, it goes without saying that. Slain was, you know, a godsend in terms of, you know, the build up to it, the concert, the aftermath. But the stories that emerge from it, like uh, the obvious one is Dylan and the riots in 84. My God, you know, and and how they ever recovered from that, John, was amazing. Yeah, I mean, there were the dark times as well. You know, there was the riots. Unfortunately, it was the tragedies of of. Drownings in the mm, Bine mm. and and that and I mean there are things that that always cast a shadow and are, are there to be remembered as well and um, but you know what, when you look back and you you would hope that um, it has provided such these are iconic bands that have been playing and acts that have been playing on in a little village in County Meath which has mm. become world famous and and the, the likes of of Bowie and Queen and Springsteen and the Rolling Stones Bon Jovi all of these uh, big names coming to play in a little village in Meath mm. is is a fabulous story yes and it's a who's who of rock and roll aristocracy as you just call out but a number of, of the of the names there um, looking at at the forty year history and 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 all that that it's entailed, um, we're now John in much changed times in Slane and Meath and the northeast of the world and with the uh, pandemic. What's your feeling? You know, you've talked to Henry, you talk as well to Alex as well. Will we see Slane back? I'll be asking himself in in a little while for sure. What do you feel? Is it going to happen next year? The feeling is it will, or the, well, the, it is hoped that it will. Um, they're in talks with, with an act, um, and obviously it's early days, but they've reached out and talks are in progress, I believe, with a major international act. Um, it's, Henry was saying he's glad he's not in the position 
and he'd probably say this to himself that Electric Picnic found themselves yes. in having to cancel this year. Mm. Um, but I, in twelve months' time, maybe things hopefully will be different. Yes, yeah. You haven't any clues as to who that act is. He won't tell me anyway. I don't know if he's told you either, has he? No, he hasn't. I was, I was throw, throwing a few out there. <laughs> throw a few sprats, but we, 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 we did. We did come up with a dream team ourselves. Go on. <laughs> who who would you like to see, know, John? They'll, they'll have to read us. They'll have to read us. All it. right, okay, okay, okay. We'll leave that. Yeah, they'll have to get the paper and read the supplement. It's in there. It is in there. I know where it is. It's right. I have a few thoughts myself of, of who I'd like to see. Look, it has put the place on the map. There's no doubt. The good it's done, you have to say, John, for the village and the surrounding, because he said that to you. He liked everyone to get a twist out of this. That's right, yes, yeah. And... and that has always been his philosophy on it is to to make sure that everyone benefits from the the tourism and the, I think he said ten percent of the tickets for the last concert were sold outside the country, mm. which is of course to show that he's bringing that's bringing in people yes. into the, the country yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, no doubt about that. People are are being brought in because of it as well. People because of its name, as you say, its international reputation as well. People want to come along and see it. And of course, that'd be something uh, you know that uh, changing times, please God, over the next twelve months of travel, etc., will facilitate. Anyway, congratulations again, John, to you, the Mead Chronicle, and to Anne Callan, who's contributed so much to this wonderful publication. Get the Mead Chronicle this week. You'll put this away and you'll mind it forevermore. Amen, John. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Jerry. Take care of yourself. That's John Donoghue there from the Mead Chronicle. It's terrific. I have it, an advanced copy of it here, so I haven't. I've been through it, and it's absolutely tremendous. It reminds you of all of the concerts down through the years. So this day, 1981, 41 years ago, my heroes, my favourites of all time, were on the stage. Yes, bring me back, bring me back. It's Lizzie. Family memory, Jerry. My sister and her husband will be celebrating 40 years of marriage on the 19th of August. They got married three days after that first Slane concert. I remember it so well. Uh, Jerry, I've seen quite a few concerts in Slane. I loved when Brian Adams played there, but I'll never forget 1992 Guns N' Roses. It was so warm on that day. Shorts, belly top, sunglasses, fell asleep on the hill, didn't remove the sunglasses and woke up. Front of me was scorched, back snow white and had to wait for ages for Guns N' Roses to appear. But brilliant day brings back great memories, says Claire in me. Thank you so much uh, for your comment and message to us today about your slain memory, Claire. If you have a memory of any of the concerts, let me know. I was at that Brian Adams concert myself. Big fan of his. He was my artist of the week last week and thoroughly enjoyed him there. Just looking at the lineup through the years on Slane, you know, there's, it's hard to pick somebody out, you know, that they would say, oh, look, at the, of course, you too, and uh, to have Dylan there and Queen and Springsteen, Bowie. As uh, John was saying to me earlier, it's a list of who's who. An unusual one, I think, when you look at the lineup, to be honest with you, is Neil Young. Neil Young in 1993. You know, I, I, I'm not sure about Neil Young. The only one when you look across the lineup. But Louise, you've been at Slane, yes? Once. Only, only one, once? Yeah, only got through it once in 
2002, was it? It's for the second U2 concert. 2001. 2001, sorry. It was sorry. September 2001. You were at the second U2. Yeah, I managed to get a ticket. Well, they were like chicken's teeth, weren't they? They, they sold were, yeah. in minutes. They had, That's why they put on a second concert, because there was just such a demand to see mm. them. What do you remember the day? Have you much in your mind about what happened? <laughs> I do. I remember, you know, meeting up with friends and getting the whole bus and that, that whole and, and even afterwards how everybody was so for such large crowds. Mm. You know, there was no everybody just left in a very organised way and yes. everything. But I remember, as I said, it was my first um, concert and mm. I was told about the hassle, queuing to get a drink and just the nightmare of it. So I I decided to get a watermelon. And yeah put a little hole in the top of a watermelon and put some alcohol into the watermelon and put it into the fridge. Vodka. The night before. Was it vodka? It was, yeah. Into the watermelon. Into the watermelon, put it in the fridge. Okay. Sliced it up the next morning, put it in a backpack. My sister Neve will remember this. Um, it was very heavy. It was really heavy. <laughs> it's a big melon. And I couldn't, I, well, I think it's just the weight of the volume and the water and stuff, the liquid in it. And I was trying to fit it in so I, I had to leave some of it behind in the fridge I was living okay, with Mammy you couldn't bring mommy. it all with you okay so you went to Slane let's get the Slane, Slane thing over first so you no problem getting in with your melon in no your backpack problem. no problem and you had not. your ready made supply of juice yes so you didn't have to queue it was fruit it was lovely. slices of watermelon it was lovely there you go yes. very refreshing throughout the day okay so I went in and I got a panic just before we, let, we went in I got a very panicked phone call from my little sister Um that my dad, who was possibly in his 80s at the time, God rest him. Pioneer. Pioneer all his all life. All his life. Was tucking into the watermelon that was in the fridge. <laughs> and she's like, Louise, have to, is, 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 is it fine or is it not? And I was going, get rid of it, get rid of it. So I think she, I don't know what she did, she must have accidentally knocked it on him off the kitchen table oh. and binned it. But um, we never told him. <laughs> <laughs> did he suspect anything? I don't know. I don't know. Anything. Or was he merry or... <laughs> anything happened to Honestly, no. I don't know but it doesn't count if it's in food anyway like you can eat cherry trifle at Christmas and stuff can't you imagine Here. breaking your fla- your father's <laughs> pledge your father gets to his 80s has the pin hasn't taken a drop and our Louise in his mind he's plies him with alcohol <laughs> in a melon what kind of a young one are you at all <laughs> <laughs> My main memory. I love I love that slaying story. That is a slaying story. That's a great slaying story that <laughs> happened inadvertently in Navin uh, while our Louise was in Slane. The, what the gig was fantastic. They put on a great oh, show. It was amazing. YouTube, didn't I they? think, that, according to reports, I remember at the time people were kind of saying that the second one was just better than the first mm, one. Mm. They just really went to town on, on the yes, second one. But yeah. it was just it was the whole experience of it because I'd never been as well as you two, of course. Yeah. Yeah, oh, magic! And the day, thank God, it was gorgeous. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah a real good day. Yeah, I, I uh, have to say, uh, when I, I can remember the '81 show, you know, Thin Lizzy headlining, um, it was a lovely day as well. But it was very laid back, you know. It really was. Mm. It was the first one, as we're saying, and um, you know, there was plenty of room. Still, there were thousands upon thousands. I don't know what the turnout was. Was it seventeen, eighteen thousand the first year? Maybe more. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's way more. Oh, than so that. that low the first year? I'm not sure. It wasn't massive, you know. It, it was big, but it wasn't uh, ginormous. There was loads of room on the hill and that in Slane. Probably a lot less security. Yeah. Than there is now. No, no it was. It, <laughs> it was. It was. It was. No, getting out there is there was plenty of 
uh, you know, delays and things like that getting there, even with that number. It was the first year they were trying it, you know. But I must check the attendance, what it was that year. We'll check to see what it was. But um, I great memories of that day. And Lizzie were tops, you know. They were number one. You two didn't really get much... I oh, didn't get much heed to be honest mm-hmm. with you at that stage and look at where they went after that and how big they became etc and mm-hmm. I did I was there Brian Adams I love that concert the Brian Adams concert I thought was terrific in 2000 I really enjoyed that um, but I think that's the only twice I was in Slane oh really the, the first I thought one you were and Brian Adams no 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 not at all I, I, I wasn't there to be honest with you I'd be absolutely honest um, but uh, I wonder uh, today what who's your favourite act at Slane you know the one that sticks out for you have you been there even on a few occasions of that your favourite slain act over the years who was it was it Dylan was it the Stones R.E.M. The Verb Brian Adams Madonna uh, Oasis who was it let us know love to hear from you today obviously in memories as well 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text me to the show Lord Henry is coming soon can't wait to talk to him but taking us to two it's all slain songs yes it's slain all the way on late lunch this afternoon and this man as John who said first appeared in 1998 as support to The Verve they just had to have him back in 1999 and he stole the show and among the songs he belted out in that cauldron that evening was this one it's Robbie Williams Hell is gone and heaven's here there's nothing left for you to fear shake your ass come over here Thank you so much for all of your slain memories coming thick and fast to us. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you'd like to call in, it's 1850-715-958. Brian and Kell says, I'll never forget the day you two played and McAteer scored that goal against Holland. I was actually in Lansdowne Road that day, the Aviva Stadium, when uh, McAteer scored the goal. And it was shown, I know, on the big screens in, uh, in Slane that day. Brian's great memory. Yvonne Flanagan's been on to say 1981 the first ca- concert a gang of us left Carberry's pub in the North Strand in Drogheda and Lizzie Jerry were just something else never forget you two too thank you Yvonne Springsteen 85 it's just got to be says Hester Liam says the first one 81 but Jerry actually busked that Madonna and did well out of it well done to you Liam Springsteen again great day says Teresa but I have to say Queen were absolutely outstanding too and Valerie's been on to us I'll get back to your message to say she was at the first concert on her dad's shoulders and remembers it well and so on and so on they go and the man yes the man whose baby is 40 he's a great friend of ours on LMFM's late lunch is on the line Lord Henry Mount Charles congratulations well thank you Jerry. <laughs> as you can imagine this all feels decidedly weird um and <laughs> I can hardly believe that those years have flown by. Uh, and secondly, the, the weirdness of it all, um, the, the, that hallowed ground, um, no band, no act, uh, no rock and roll this year. Mm. That leaves a sort of hole in my heart. Um, and also a hole in my heart for all the people involved in the live music industry. Um, who have been uh, so badly hit by this um, pandemic. And uh, one of the acts that uh, played uh, Slane, I think it was Bowie in 87, um, uh, I got them on the bill, was Aslan. Yes. Uh, You know, they they are um, having a difficult time at the moment. And um, I just wish the 
Arts Council or whoever uh, had um, pulled out the plug and given a bit more assistance there. But I, today is, uh, I suppose, a day for celebration, even if the um, celebration is all a bit strange. <laughs> Your phone is hopping, Henry, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it all started with a dream, and yeah. it was, um, uh, you know, when I was a small kid, uh, the Patton Day, St. Turk's Day, the Well Day at Slane was a big, big event. And I used to have these weird dreams of sort of things growing out of the ground, almost like cowboy and Indian fortresses. Mm. Uh, and, you, you know, in latter years, I look back on that and recognize that that was my embryonic thoughts on the great stages at Slane, which literally did grow out of the ground. And, uh, you know, I oft remember looking out of the castle windows and seeing the trucks arrive and seeing all the riggers arrive. And it was like a sort of gathering of the tribes. Mm. And a lot of people uh, have worked at Slane consistently over the years. And it was lovely every year to see these faces again, even from the guys who worked security. It was like sort of a family gathering. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping uh, to be able to put together, in fact, I'm working on it at the moment, to put, it, put on a show next year. Uh, and, and, and let's hope it will be in the true tradition of slain and it will be a major act. And it hopefully will mean that thousands of people come down by the banks of the Boyne to have a good time. Ah, oh, we just cannot wait for that to happen. And we know you're working hard on it. I was talking to John Donoghue earlier in the show. Uh, the Mead Chronicle have produced this wonderful uh, supplement, which I recommend to everybody. And you've spoken to him. Alex has as well. And, and Callan has done a wonderful job through the years of all the concerts. And we do. And please, God, we will see that next concert all going well, that you will be back with another slain. When I think about the beginning, 81, Ireland, oh. a basket case, the troubles in Northern Ireland, uh, you know what I mean. Killeen Castle, not far from where uh, you are or we are here, was burned to the ground. You know, you you took a real chance. Well, <laughs> uh, I did. Um, I've taken a lot of risks in my life, but I hope and pray that they have been calculated risks. Um, but it was it was a heavy time. But I did feel, and and so did um, Dennis. Uh, Desmond and Eamon McCann, um, you know, put steel in my back. And the more I actually got quite a lot of personal abuse, and that actually probably had rather the opposite effect on me than the people who heaped the abuse upon me thought, in that it did make me all the more determined to make the thing happen and to make, make it work, because there was a whole new Ireland out there um, I suppose you two were um, a very good expression of it, and indeed uh, Finn Lizzie as well, although they were at that stage um, an established, um, um, more than established rock and roll act. Um, but it, it was an expression of a new Ireland. And I mean, um, that really gave me a thrill. And 
after all, I sort of had a um, an upbringing in the sense that uh, you know I went to school in England in 1964, which was the uh, I think that was Harold Wilson's first government. A Hard Day's Night had just been released in the cinema, and uh, um, you know I, I had that sort of culture embedded in me. Rock and roll was part of the kind of things that, you know, we got to get out of place. <laughs> the animals was the sort of breakout song and all this sort of kind of thing was part of who I was as a person. And then when I came back in the uh, mid to late 70s, um, you know, this was a way in which I wanted to go because I had seen what had happened at Nebworth. And it was really a matter of finding uh, people I could work with. And literally, Eamon McCann walked into my office one day. And uh, we sat down and talked and got on really well. And then I obviously met Dennis. And um, that that was how, you know, Eamon walked through my door. He, 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 he got a warm welcome. Mm. And uh, but we were flying slightly by the seat of our pants that first um, year, and um, I, I do I do remember there was a guy who was helping with the finance, uh, and I can't remember his name. Oh, he was called um, John, and it'll come to me. But anyway, he was um, known as Mister Everything because he kept saying, "Don't worry, Henry." Everything's going to be all right. And I had my fingers crossed behind my back. (laughs) (laughs) Those words still ring in your mind this very day. You take them off very well, I have to say. But look, at Lizzie started the Stones then in 82, really put it on the map and away you went from there. Can I ask you this? You mentioned Bowie and Aslan uh, supporting them and your appeal uh, for the industry, which I'd like to add my weight to as well. Um, From 87 to 92, you took a five-year hiatus. Why was that? uh, Two reasons. Um, There wasn't discussions for an act following David Bowie. And uh, Jim Aiken and I were, you know, I'd done business with Jim. Mm. And um, effectively, uh, you know, I I was fond of Jim and he's no longer in this world. But uh, he lost his nerve and I didn't. And I just thought, okay. And there was... uh, um, a slightly acrimonious meeting with a member of the Garda Shirkona, who I will uh, not name, and um, it anyway doesn't matter. And I thought, well, hell, I just need a rest, because um, after the riots in 84, uh, <clears throat> after the stunning success of, of Springsteen, after the severe pressures of Queen in 86, and then um, Bowie, which was a, an interesting show, um, we had to, I mean, I think I, I personally intervened in the end to get um, uh, David Bowie to slightly change his set because we were concerned it was um, using some of his rather less well-known material and mm. the Irish audience really needed the hits. I ju- it was just a re-evaluation and it is 
a huge pressure on time, my time, uh, on my, on one's psyche. It's um, like an express train um, heading for you um, um, when you get into gear. I mean, there are various stages of it. There's the deal has to be put together, um, uh, and there's uh, tensions relating to that. Less so now, because Dennis Desmond and I know each other so well, mm. and we know really how, how the thing should be put together. Um, and I just, there was other stuff going on in my life, and I just needed to refresh, recalibrate. And then what happened um, following the catastrophic fire, and, um, you know, and I was quite involved in politics as well, um, um, I got um, sort of slightly bitten by that bug, a very dangerous one to be bitten by. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, and I, Dennis rang me up and, and said he'd like to take me out to lunch, which he duly did in Dublin. And he said, do you want to get back in the game? And I said, do you know, to be honest, I do. I, I feel refreshed and I think it's time to, and Slane is a stunning sight. And so he offered me two acts, and he never expected me to choose Guns N' Roses, because I really effectively said, if we're going to go back, let's go back with something with a bit of edge to it. Mm. And I happen to be a great fan of Guns N' Roses. I think they're just a great band, and they're a great live act. And I know... Uh, Axel <laughs> was at that stage um, uh, a bit risky because he was a bit unpredictable. Um, but it was a it was a stunning day. It was a bit chilly, but and it had its moments of drama. Um, you know, Axel arrived late on site, and the manager was fishing for God's sake. And um, <laughs> Alex and I went to Axel and sort of pleaded, uh, saying, you know, <laughs> we don't want to riot. <laughs> <laughs> we had enough with Dylan in 84. We don't want it again. Here, I have to ask you this. Who was the act you turned down? I can't tell you that. And the reason I can't is um, I'm still in the business. Right. And, um, if people, you know, wouldn't necessarily be very happy uh, for me to... Okay. I, I let you away just because it's you and it's 40 years and all that. <laughs> You're getting a pass on that one from me. But look, I asked you this before uh, and I want to ask you again before we finish. And I, I, I'm trying to recall what you said to me. Look at this. It's a who's who of rock and roll and people who've just, you know, who will be forever, ever uh, synonymous with the business and all the headline acts you've had there and the support acts indeed who've gone on to tremendous success. Who's your favourite? Oh, boy, that is... Well, it has to be, and there's a lot of emotion tied up in it. It has to be U2. Mm. And the reason being that U2 played the first show, for starters. Yes. Secondly, um, Adam Clayton is one of my best mates. (laughs) Um, And thirdly, uh, they recorded The Unforgettable Fire, in the castle, yeah. rather strangely named album, as far as I'm concerned, considering what happened. 
Um, and I would have to say that the two shows they played back to back because um, that in itself was a whole story behind that. Um, in 2001, marked the end of the primary uh, restoration of the castle, which took us 10 years. Yes. And I have to say, uh, and I've said it um, a couple of times, that Iona and I both wept when, um, when the band appeared um, uh, on stage. Um, so that's you too. Um, I would have to say um, that the really um, sort of high point as far as uh, I was concerned, I mean, I have to rather unconventionally say that, you know, Robbie Williams, and I'm not necessarily saying it's the best show, but Robbie Williams really earned his spurs mm. because he played um, uh, support to the Verve and he came off that stage and I turned around to Dennis and I said, we've got to get him back <laughs> as a headline act. And he did. And, and you know, R Robbie is, was slightly different from some of the other um, acts um, that played. But, you know, the encapsulation of what Slane is about as a rock and roll venue was um, the last show, Metallica, which is not a band of the genre that would be sort of closest to me. Yeah. But um, they put on an absolutely breathtaking live performance, mm. which is what it's all about. And people who, you know, wouldn't normally be into that said to me afterwards, that was amazing. Mm. And, you know, that song, Nothing Else Matters, kind of encapsulates <laughs> what 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 it is about because it is the live performance yes absolutely absolutely look i have to leave it there today watch this space for next year work is going on that's the news today and henry i just want to say i've just seen the outpouring uh, of love to you and your family and slain uh, these last number of days and continuing today and will and may i say it is so well deserved thank you for slain henry uh, well thank you jerry and thank you for your support Always. Thanks, Henry. Talk to you again soon. Take care yeah. of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Lord Henry Mount Charles there, the man who made Slane what it is. 40 years today. The Rolling Stones appeared at Slane in 82 and 2007. One of the few acts to appear there twice. 25 years between them. And I'm told they're as good the second time round. Simply outstanding. Jerry, the best concert in Slane was undoubtedly Bruce Springsteen. And I was at nearly all of them. He really had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Just brilliant, says Paul in Slane today. I'm the biggest U2 fan, Jerry, in the world. I've seen so many of their shows here in Ireland and abroad. But when it comes to Slane, Bruce Springsteen was by far the best, I have to say, honestly. And that comes in from a U2 fan. Springsteen says another one there. Message for Henry. Henry Mount Charles, Jerry, is one of the people you truly admire. He's just a lovely man. Would you wish him all the best? And somebody else saying there, I'm still waiting for Paul McCartney. Well, you never know. You never, ever know. Anyway, Claire Fagan from Summerhill is on the line. Hello, Claire. Hi, Jerry. How are you? You were there. I was. <laughs> 1992, Jerry. 
1992, when I consult me list here, I have it beside me. 92 was Guns N' Roses for the first time. It was. It was brilliant, Jerry. And what's it your was memory? My first concert. Was it your first ever? What age you might? What age were you then? I was 17. Ah, sure. God, you're only setting there on your concert journeys. What's your memory of the day? Yeah, it was brilliant, Jerry. We went on a bus with a few friends from school. Yeah. And we arrived there. There was no hassle now to get in or anything. But it was very warm and it was very clammy. So we were there a long, long time before they were due to come out. Mm. And myself and a few friends said, we get a few drinks and we were on the hill. And of course, we fell asleep. <laughs> Most of us did anyway. <laughs> so the sunglasses on, the shorts, the belly top of the head on, fell asleep for about two hours <laughs> more. And when I woke up, I was scorched. <laughs> Took the sunglasses off, had two big white circles around the eyes. <laughs> the back legs were snow white, the back was snow white, and the front was scorched. I was like that for about three weeks. <laughs> But it was a great day. It was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Memories, they're great memories, aren't they, to have as well. Did uh, you go back since then to any slaying gigs? I was seeing Brian Adams. Oh, I love Brian yes. Adams. Yes, I was there myself for that one. It was a great yeah, gig. I've seen well. him at Fail as well. Um, mm, mm. Up in Dublin, and I love Brian Adams, so I went to see him and Bon Jovi. Oh, right. Right, jeepers, yeah. yeah was and that... you too. <laughs> and you... Oh, sure, listen, you're a slaying veteran altogether. <laughs> anyway, you didn't fall asleep in the sun after the first one, no, did you? No, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I'd say you got a bit of old slagging from the crew for that. Oh, I did, <laughs> for a week. <laughs> <laughs> no better woman to take it. Ah, slaying memories, they're great. It's just something else. It's a special, special venue. Well, listen, Claire, thanks for telling us your memory on Late Lunch today. Appreciate it. No problem, Jerry. Thanks very Take much. Take yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Claire Fagan in Summerhill. Do you remember Slane? Anything to tell us about it? You're the best actor you ever saw in Slane. What's your opinion? 086 1800 658. WhatsApp or text me to the show and we'll be back to it a little later on. But next on Late Lunch. Well, yesterday, if you were tuned into LMFM radio, what excitement unfolded on Sunday sport. Meath are through to the All Ireland Senior Ladies Football Final. And I'm joined on late lunch by Myra O'Shaughnessy. Hello, Myra. Hi, how are you? I am good. Did you sleep at all last night? <laughs> I did, I did. It was a nice feeling waking up this morning, I must say. Oh, my, oh, my. I have to ask you, it was such drama because you look to be dead and buried with time almost up. Did you Did you honestly believe that, that it was in you, those two late goals, Myra? Um, to be honest, I probably not. No, I think after the the second water break, we were heading into the last quarter. You know, we were looking up the scoreboard, and we were, I think, seven points behind. So we were kind of just saying to each other, you know, we want to finish off this game now with a bit of bit of pride and bit of dignity, and just kind of keep attacking every ball and keep keep the intensity up. Um, and I think it just once when we got that penalty, um. I still don't think we we thought um, maybe there was another another goal in us, but you know a few things fell our way and we pushed up high and um, Vicky turned over a brilliant ball and, and Emma Jogan finished it. So um, no, it was I think it was a shock to everyone on and off the pitch. You know when you uh, you know you you got the draw and it went into extra time, additional time, whatever. You know when you had the chat, you know when your huddle or that just before that, did you feel it was your day? Did you feel it was there for you then at that stage, having come back from the dead? Yeah, I think I think we were given a lifeline at that stage, and um, yeah, we we really thought you know that it was kind of it was back to a draw game at that stage, and you're essentially going into a, a new game, a shorter one, albeit. But 
yeah, we definitely got a, a boost from from the last couple of minutes of, of normal time, and um, I think that definitely gave us a, a, brought us a, a better energy. I think than for the the extra time. Mm. And you know, in the end, the the scenes of joy and uh, you know, was there a bit of disbelief among you? You know what I mean? I know, like you always believe in yourselves and what you can yeah. achieve and what you can do. But was there an element of that? Um, yeah, like I, well, I think it all happened as as a player that was on the pitch. I think it all happened so quickly. I kind of mm. didn't really know what I was feeling, but um, yeah, there was obviously a bit a bit of disbelief, but um, I. I at the same time, though, you know, with that group of players, like anything's kind of possible, to be honest. Um, you know, they're, they they just kept fighting to the, the bitter end. And, um, you know, I think when the final whistle blew, it was obviously a big, big sigh of relief. But um, we knew we'd worked hard for the, the the 60 minutes and then the extra 20 on top of that. So mm. um, no, we, we thought it was a deserved win in the end. But, um, yeah, it was. It was it was a mixed emotions when the final whistle blew. Um, tell me this the uh, the fact that you've come up you know you were champions of course intermediate champions last year and I spoke to you around that time about it you know when you step up a level from intermediate to senior it's a huge step up for all concerned did you ever envisage that on your in your first year in the senior (laughs) ranks you'd be in this final Uh, no to be honest I don't think we did envisage we'd be the, an honour in senior final and our first year up senior but um, look yeah it, it, we'll take it <laughs> we're, we're delighted um, no we knew it was going to be a big step up but we kind of had been preparing for the last couple of years um, for the transition up to senior and um, you know we were we were quite prepared coming up um, but look we we worked really hard and we kind of just took each game at a time and now the next game is, is an honour in final an All-Ireland Final. Those words, those <laughs> words in itself, the first Sunday in September. And there's a little matter of Dublin. I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with them. Yeah, well, not too familiar really, actually. Mm. We haven't seen them in, in a number of years. But, um, yeah, look, they're they're reigning All-Ireland champions. Um, they'll be going for, I think it's just four in a row, maybe. Five in a row. So, um, yeah, look, they... They won't fear us, and um, look, we probably won't fear them either. You know, we're just going to go in, treat it like like every other game. I mean, Cork are just as good um, opposition, so um, we'll just we'll do our homework like every other game and um, just go at it. Yeah, because they are, you know, going for what is it? Is it their sixth now? They've five titles in a row. I think they're going for their fifth. Fifth, in a sorry, row. their fifth yeah. in a their fifth in a row. Yeah, but listen, hold on. Let me give you a little bit of encouragement, Mara. There's a crowd called the Dublin Senior Men's Team, and they were going for seven. And look what happened the weekend. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, like we were all watching the the Dublin and and the Mayo game as well, and the men's, and you know, we kind of we took a bit of um, bit of strength from that I think you know they like Mayo just really really wanted it um, and although Dublin um, are reigning All-Ireland champions I think Mayo wanted it more on the day and I suppose that sort of comes down to which team is going to want it more on All-Ireland final day Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, it's some achievement, isn't it? It's some achievement for the squad to get there. Just stay there for a second because I want you to have a little listen to our man, Brendan Cummins, on commentary yesterday in Croke Park. Have a listen to this, Mara. The ball okay. back to Martino O'Brien. Reid putting on huge pressure on the Cork full back line, and Vicky Wall has it. Vicky Wall has it. Gives the ball. Chance for me, dear. Emma Duggan has it. It's in the back of the net. This is unbelievable. Emma Duggan has scored. The teams are level. That's
that's incredible. We needed two goals and they got them. Emma Duggan has got it. This is as good a comeback as ever I've seen. 11 seconds left. Could we actually snatch it here? Well, well, when Brendan Cummins says, Mara, and I'm telling you this, when he says that was the most incredible he has ever seen and all of the mead football he's covered at club level, hurling football, ladies, gents, he says it's the best ever. What about that? Yeah, <laughs> it's all still a bit surreal, I think. But, um, you yeah, know, it was it was um, it was magical stuff. And mm. yeah, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was incredible. So from here in now, uh, first Sunday in September, the final is Dublin away. They're a hell of a side. But listen, you girls have shown all year you're up for every single challenge that has been thrown down before you. Will you just will the training just continue as before? You know, and no change really to that. The routine is in there. That'll continue now up to the final. Yeah, I think so. I think what we're doing is working. So no point, no point changing it up too much. Yes. Um, but no, like like I said, we've just been consistently working hard over the last number of years and this is just another game in front of us, albeit it is an All-Ireland final, but no, we'll really enjoy the next couple of weeks now preparing for this. Must be something too as well, performing Croke Park out there on that wonderful pitch. It must be just the pinnacle, is it? It's the pinnacle and now an All-Ireland final for you and everybody else. Yeah, no it is and we've been extremely fortunate that we've actually got to play there um, especially in the last two years we got to play the All-Ireland Intermediate there and the league final um, this year and then we were back there obviously there um, yesterday so uh, we've had a good few runs out in Crow Park so um, yeah we're, we're extremely lucky to play in such wonderful grounds A home from home and listen I know yesterday you said it was great mightn't happen again but there's the holy grail now to win it this is it now Go all the way now, Mara. Go on, do it, win it and bring home that silverware, won't you? We'll do our best, yeah. Uh, listen, it's great to chat to you today after a hard day's night, as they say, as the Beatles would say. Well done to you, Pass on our congratulations to all and we look forward to the build-up over the next few weeks to the All-Ireland Final on the 5th of September. Well done to you. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Take care. That's Mario Shocknessy there, member of the Mead side who won yesterday in Croke Park. An incredible, incredible performance indeed. And well done to all concerned. So Mead in the senior final after winning the intermediate last year. It's some progress. It really, really is. Uh, lots of your messages coming to me. Uh, Mickey was on to say, hey, Jerry, great weekend in the Premier League. Spurs, you laughed at me last week when I said they'd win the title. Well, what about that now? Yes, Spurs, what a win over Man City, first day of the season. And of course, getting the dig in, being a Spurs fan, Mickey says, weren't Brentford great? Didn't I tell you on this show on Friday to back Brentford that they'd beat Livery Arsenal? Because that's what they are. The Gunners, they haven't a spine. They haven't a backbone in them. They're going absolutely nowhere. And next two games for the Gunners, Chelsea and Man City. God bless us. Anyway, great day for Tottenham. Good start. It's half the battle, as they say. We watch with interest. Anyway, keep your comments and texts coming to us 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text to the show this afternoon. We're taking a short break. And then we're going to reflect... Well, back to Crow Park to have another little gander down memory lane to last Saturday when the dubs were 
dethroned. Yes, just to remind you, there was a high-vis jacket with a bunch of keys found at Kalua Cross between Atboy and Clonmel. And we've just had a call in. Somebody has them. Keys, a high-vis jacket, Kalua Cross. If you know somebody or you're missing them yourself, give us a shout here. We have the contact details. And just reminding you, on Thursday, we've teamed up with Bus Aaron to help the Dundalk branch of Meals on Wheels. We want you to help us fill this bus with essential food and household items for the vulnerable and elderly in the local community. The bus will be parked at the Long Walk bus station in Dundalk Town Centre from 9 until 4 and LMFM will be there broadcasting right through the day. So come along, bring your donation and let's fill the bus. We filled it last year. Non-perishable food and household items and they'll be given to Dundalk Meals on Wheels and that will give them a big boost. They'll pass them on, I promise you. This Thursday, the Long Walk bus station Dundalk. Please give generously. And we will fill that bus this time round. Eddie Maguire is on the line. Hello, Eddie. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Uh, you sound well. You sound well. <laughs> well, you're sounding, you're sounding well yourself, I have to say, Eddie. I certainly hope so after yesterday. <laughs> uh, on Saturday, rather. Yes, a Mayo man, an expat living in the Royal County. Well, tell me honestly, Eddie, at half time, you couldn't have believed, could you? No. I, I, I can't tell a lie. You know, I'd love to say, yes, I knew they were going to make a comeback. But if you take into, uh, into consideration the fact that Galway were leading Mayo by, at one stage in the first half, by seven points, and at halftime by six, and Mayo come back to win, to win by five. Mm. On this occasion, identically, Dublin were leading by seven at one stage, by six at halftime, and Mayo come back to win by three. Mm. So there was a bit of a history there. But I didn't think it was possible. And yeah. I don't believe too many male people did either. Well, I can tell you in our house, there was four of us watching it and we were screaming for Mayo. We were just oh, well, into it so big time that they would, you know, get the win because they've so been they've been so close in recent years. Now, look, come to the last minute then. They're pushing and pushing and they're almost yes. there. And the keeper comes up to take the kick, the 45. Were, were you able to watch? Uh, look, at, look, at, I... I well, I, I, I don't know. My heart was in my mouth. I couldn't believe it. I said, no, I can't watch this. Mm. And I was right up in front of a television by a yard now because I have to because of my eyesight situation. But yes. I was just like everybody else. And, you know, uh, Dublin, their decision to bring on uh, Philip McMahon rebounded on in a big way. Mm. Mm. Because, yeah, the, yeah. You, you know, it was he who interfered with the first kick that yes. um, was and then it was sent wide and then the referee ordered it to be retaken and he sent it over the bar and it was a draw yeah. otherwise the, the Dublin were on the roll again for the All-Ireland Yes they were and they would have nicked it by a point into extra time again many parallels I was talking to the Mead ladies a moment ago and their win yesterday was sensational also they had to go into added time to win and really Mayo lauded it in the additional time didn't they Dublin just were gone at that stage It, it was one way traffic Yeah and uh, you know it was Mayo's day of redemption you know they, they came to the altar they came to, you know, it was kind of the last chance alone in a way. Yes. And they just ran Dublin into the ground in the, in the second half, of, especially the second half of the extra time. Mm. But for the whole extra time period, was Mayo 
Mayo, Mayo. Dublin, and you know, uh, I think that the way Dublin were playing around with the ball in the first half, over and back, over and back, they weren't bothered even to try and score against Mayo. I thought, in a way, it's a little bit disrespectful to Gaelic football, mm. not to go and try and play the game, full out. They were just over and back, over and back across the field. And it, it, they could have put, possibly put Mayo away at that stage if they had attacked more. But they ran out of energy and they ran out of commitment. They ran out of courage. Yeah, and that uh, aspect of the game just is something I would like to see not part and parcel of it, but it's become more and more of the game, that possession and holding of the ball. Anyway, the green and red of Mayo rang out round Croker, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Look, at the whole county was gone bananas on Saturday night. Yeah. You know, I'm from Ben Mullet. And the whole now, and they had a young lad from Belmullet on the team, Ryan O'Donoghue. Mm. What a what a find! Yes, what a find! He took over from Killing O'Connor, kicking frees. The man has only w- missed one free in the three last match in the three. Three last matches, one three mm. altogether. Oh, he's a great find, and they have great young players. And uh, the manager showed as well that he was willing to ring the changes and take off the experience and give youth its <laughs> fling. And my God, did it pay! Anyway, here's the sixty-four million dollar question to you, yeah. Eddie Maguire, today: Kerry or Tyrone? Who would you prefer? <laughs> well, now you probably know I have a vested interest here because Go on. the Tyrone. The Tyrone football song, the Greenfield Rondard Bow, is mine. I yes, wrote it for Philippine Begley. I know, I know you did. That's and, why I'm putting you on the spot. So I'm really on the spot here. And in a way, I want uh, Tyrone to get into the final because, you know, let's face it, it's good for the song. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'd rather, uh, I honestly would rather Mayo were playing Kerry in the final. Would you? Oh, yeah, I would because Tyrone have, have a great knack of winning all Ireland against any team but Dublin. Yes. <laughs> you know, all right. and, uh, Mayo have really have been able to deal with Kerry fairly well. Now, Kerry, great football team, great mm. football, great mm. tradition and everything else, but Mayo have the hunger. Yes. You know, that uh, they haven't faced it at the top table since 1951. Nineteen. Long before you were born, oh, young man. Listen before me is right. <laughs> anyway, are you going to win it this year? Final question: Are you going to win it, Eddie? Yeah, which, no doubt in the world. Oh. Mayo, come on, Mayo! <laughs> <laughs> God bless you, Eddie. Wish you okay, well. Jerry. Thank you Thanks for joining much. me. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, what a lovely man, Eddie Maguire. I hope Mayo win it from my heart. I hope they win it. They deserve it. If there's any God in heaven, Mayo will be All Ireland Senior Champions this year. Anyway. Their star man, Porrick O'Hora. What a player. Let's dedicate this song from Bowie to Porrick and Mayo today. Star men all. Didn't know what time it was, the lights were low. Oh, oh, I leaned back on my radio. We have had plenty of comment today about your favourite slain acts, and uh, Liam's been back to us to say that. Henry was right, Jerry. Bowie only played lots of his new stuff and not the hits that everyone was there to hear. I couldn't agree with him more. And Henry tried to influence him, as you heard him saying to us earlier on on the show. Now, it's uh, Artist of the Week time on Late Lunch. And being the day and the week that's in it, and those two unforgettable concerts on August 25th and September 1st, where our Louise almost poisoned her dad with alcohol and slain. Well, he was at home in Navin. My Artist of the Week had to be 
it had to be this week. You two are my artists of the week. And of course, they did play that first ever Slain gig supporting Thin Lizzy that I was at all those years ago. For you two, well, it all began when Larry Mullen, he was 14, put an ad on the notice board of Mount Temple Comprehensive School in Dublin looking to form a band. He got five applications. So six people met in Larry's house on the 25th of September. It was in his kitchen, 1976. You see that little acorns, big oak trees grow. Yeah, there were six lads. Larry, Paul Hewson, David Evans, Dick Evans, Adam Clayton and Ivan McCormick were all there and they called themselves Feedback. But within weeks, McCormick had departed and in early 77, Dick Evans said... Adios as well. And the new four-piece became known as The Hype. The Hype they were known as. Before in March 78, on the suggestion of a friend of Adam Clayton's, the band became known as U2. They won a talent contest in Limerick. The prize was £500, a £500 recording session, which they duly took and laid down a demo in April 1978. Paul McGuinness, well, this is history, isn't it, became their manager. They played gigs in Ireland, including that Dandelion Market regular gig that we mentioned earlier. They went to London. That was their first uh, sojourn abroad and played there. And they released an EP. And, um, you know, they were moving along nicely at a level. But the real breakthrough came at the National Stadium. Remember the National Stadium? A concert there on the 26th of February, 1980. Well, that concert really set them on their way because they were spotted there by a representative of Island Records and they moved to sign them immediately. They then penned a deal for four albums in four years, got £100,000 in advance and the rest is history. But that day, back in 81, this day, 40 years ago, it was... The heart is a blue Shoots up through the stony Yes, you too, and beautiful day. It was a beautiful day on the 16th of August, 1981, at Slane, when Thin Lizzy headlined and you too supported them on that day where it all began. And that song, incidentally, was the theme song when UTV had the Premier League coverage. You know, the Match of the Day theme is probably the most famous soccer show theme in the world, but that was the theme when it was on UTV for a number of years. Peter's been on to say... It was well over 50,000 at the Lizzie concert in 81, including many who got in for free through the fences and across the river. It was a scorcher like 82 when the Stones played and Jagger hosed the crowd uh, at the front with water from the Boyne. 82, bigger, 70,000 there, maybe more. I was at both uh, the two Best Lane concert and Springsteen too, says Peter. I was a young lad then, Jerry. So we'll be all young at one stage, Peter, but the old years roll on. Thanks for getting in touch with us today. And we finished late lunch today with a man who has slain memories. Yes, Andy Spearman has the memories and the beautiful pictures to go with it too. Stay with us. Andy Spearman from Draw to Life is on the line. Hello, Andy. Hi, Jeremy Hurl, how are you? I'm good. Well, listen, congratulations on your piece about Slane, 1981. Andy, honestly, I've been totally honest when you say the first concert was the best ever. Well, it's certainly the best that I ever attended, and I haven't been at them all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think so. It was was the most significant moment, for all sorts of historical reasons. I'm not a judge of who's better than who at playing music, Mm. but that was, as an event, 
the most enjoyable and um, significant, I think, for the Irish public. Yeah, and and I was there myself, Andy, that day. Uh, oh, yeah. not, not, I was, but not in any snaps or anything. Lo- lazing on the hill, enjoying it. Right, it was yeah. very, it was very laid back. It, like crowd wise, what would you have put the attendance at? Or do you know exactly what it was? Oh God, no, I have no idea. I yeah. mean, it was certainly uh, probably something in around. I don't know, 40 odd thousand. Was there, yeah, yeah. Peter was yeah. on to us. He said he thought there was 50,000 there on the day well, between yeah, well, all know. the freebies, Andy. You know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people came in over the fence. I know yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, but um, maybe shouldn't say that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, the next year with the Stones there, there was two or three times that number. Yeah, yeah. There was jammers for the Stones. It really mm, was. Mm, Bigger stage mm. and everything involved. I, I encourage people to go on to drawhondalife.com and look at the beautiful photographs Andy took on that oh, day yeah, very kind. oh no Andy these are really special photographs I have to say and I want to talk about a couple of them you see Bono there as a young fella and him yeah. lashing out uh, lashing out the, the song to the, the, to the crowd you were yeah. able to get really close I was on stage with him yeah yeah. Um, yeah there was yeah it was, it was so laid back I mean um, if you had a press pass you could go Anyway, I don't think he'd go into... I think I was in the castle, actually. But anyway, um, there was... The security was just so friendly. Mm. And I spent half the day wandering around with Phil Leonard, who was a bit of a personal idol. But, uh, you just wouldn't be able to do that. Yes. These days, for the last 15 or 20 years, you wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm. And that's a, that's a point to make, that the, how relaxed it was, laid back, the access yeah. you have, not a chance that would happen even today or no. going back, as you said, even 10, 15 years. You wouldn't get next or near any of the stars like that. Well, by contrast, in 2007, the Stones returned mm. and um, all the press were corralled into a space somewhere to the side of the castle and brought down in groups of eight or nine and told you could stay for two songs and then get off the premises. Mm. That was by the Rolling Stones management. Mm. Yeah, they so, in- I'm not saying that we all did as we were told. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. Um, the picture of Phil in it, you said, you said you were in his company for quite a time that day. The yeah. picture of himself with his daughter, Sarah, is beautiful. Yeah. And there's a story, isn't there, behind that photograph? Well, yeah. I mean, he just got out of a helicopter and... and I twigged straight away because Sarah, his daughter Sarah, is a year older than my own daughter Sally, and um, I just we clicked for some reason. I don't know why. That's why we worked together for quite a time. But yeah, later on, oh, a couple of years later on, fellow was in. I can't remember the name of the club. It was. It used to be on the Dublin Road. It's now a nursing home. The Rossnery. Rossnery, that's it, yeah. Um, anyway, he was doing some gig there in a personal, you know, just himself. And he was in a bit of a stage, to be honest. And um, so I brought, I knew he was there, so I brought him out a print of that photograph, which is one of my favourites that I've ever taken, himself and Sarah. And he just broke into tears. He was so emotional. He hadn't seen her for a couple of years. Oh, my 
God, isn't that a touching story? It really is. Oh, it's beautiful. It's truly beautiful, Andy. Your story is wonderfully uh, uh, brought together and the photographs. There's more besides, folks. Phil O'Bono, Hazel O'Connor, Adam Clayton. uh, They're all there. Check it out on drawdalife.com. It's terrific. And Andy, thanks for reminding us and telling us that wee story about Philip Lennon today. It's really touching. Thanks, Andy. Cheers. Take care, Jerry. Take care, yourself. Bye bye. You too. Andy Spearman from Draw to Life. Great guy. And uh, caught my attention for sure. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch this 40th anniversary day of Slane Concert. Tomorrow on the show, Father Barry Matthews says a Jew. He's leaving. Very popular local priest. Michael Brunnock is home from the States. A mead man, musician, and more besides. We'll be talking to him. And of course, I'm sure we'll have Paul Moyner on uh, the numbers with COVID and more besides on the show tomorrow. Anyway, thank you for your company with us today. Have a nice evening. Eddie's coming next with The Drive and we're going to leave you today. It's been all Slain songs. Did you notice on Late Lunch today all artists who headline Slain on the show? Well, we're going to finish out today with the wonderful Guns and Roses and Sweet Child of Mine. See you tomorrow for Late Lunch at 1.30. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.